This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech fan number 15 with Tim Robertson, David Cohen, and you? No, not you. Hey, welcome to Tech Fan. I'm Tim Robertson, and his name is David Cohen. Joining me from across the ocean and uh, from England. Hello, David. Good afternoon. It's <laughs> you got all good afternoon. So uh, it's kind of an odd show for me because I'm in the transition period. I'm ready to start packing my bags, getting all my gear ready for MacWorld Expo. That's right. I fly out. And I'm in mourning. Yes, because you're not going this year. Because I'm not going this year, yeah. We'll see about next year. Yeah, I mean, you were kind of running every other year anyways, weren't you? I mean, because you were there last year uh, briefly, but then you weren't there the year before. Or, I don't know how, they all kind of start blending. I was all week last, but the year before I wasn't there, and the year before that I was there for a few days. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, Which, you know, yeah. I'm not complaining because plenty of UK Apple fans and tech fans don't get to go at all because it's so far away. So I'm doing fairly well. Have you actually been inside a Steve Jobs keynote? No. No. Yeah, because the one year that you were there for the keynote, we um, couldn't get in. We couldn't get in. So, <laughs> yeah. We were one. Yeah, that was not a good time. But that was okay. We well, we could, but we could only have one person go in. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I think I did. <laughs> did I? Did I? I actually did. Go no, in, I don't think. I? It, no, I don't think you did because we were sat on the Moscone set. That's right. Uh, did we send uh, John Nemo? Uh, and a couple of the other guys. I think we sent Nemo in. I he, don't know who went in. Yeah, I know one yeah. of one of the MyMac staffers went. Yeah. And I think it was John Nemo. But I could be mistaken. It's that was what four years ago, three, uh, three four years ago. Yeah, I forget. So it was kind of to one. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that's going to happen because Guy Searle actually is leaving Monday. Uh, he drives quite a bit before he actually jumps on a plane, and we're meeting on a plane in Detroit. Uh, I fly yeah, out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah, guy needs to kind of ramp himself up for the journey. Yeah, by, uh, by, by driving <laughs> a whole lot. The freeway. <laughs> I can see that you know that's kind of appealing before you leave, but boy, after being at MacWorld and all the flights, then you have to drive another eight hours. Oi, not me. I, I think I think he's taking the opportunity to meet up with friends or, or something. Yes, but, yes. Uh, and nevertheless, that, yeah, and that's cool. So he's not going to be able to do the mymac.com podcast ne- next week. So on Monday. You and De- and uh, Gazmaz is actually going to do one. That's right. Yeah, that so would be uh, awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's it's going to be you know very much Gaz's show. Um, I'm really there just as a as a guest host. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be different and uh, and a different kind of show for the listeners, I think, because obviously it'll be two Brits doing it for a change. You know, that reminds me a couple of shows ago when I had Guy and Gaz here on the Tech Fan. Uh, Gaz talked about a story of meeting up with you by happenstance. 
Yeah, we were um, the week before Christmas. I planned to take a week off and and take the family down to London. We live in Manchester; it's about two hundred fifty miles from London. Uh, and we were we've we've not really been away very much this year, so we were just looking to do something a little bit different. So I said I'd use up some holiday and and go down to London with the family the week before, and we'd do some sightseeing and museums that sort of thing. And as I was checking into the hotel, we'd bought just a kind of a cheap hotel in the middle of London. Um, I get tapped on the shoulder by uh, by Gaz, and uh, it was just yeah, we had no idea that we were going to be in the same place at the same time. It's funny how um, that works, isn't it? It was it was very very odd, very peculiar. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's not. I know a lot of a lot of American listeners might think that that Britain's a small place. It's not that small. <laughs> no, you know that that would be rare in a city the size of New York, let alone an exactly. entire country. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, an update. I mean, he doesn't live anywhere near me or anything like that, so it was very, very odd. Right. Uh, an update. I got a couple of emails after our last show asking what the uh, has anything happened with the iPad theft, and the short answer is no, nothing at all. <laughs> I mean, nothing at all. So yeah. it's you know it, it, the the guys will probably get away with it, unfortunately, but hopefully we'll catch them eventually. That's that's my hope. I, I, I would imagine that most sort of criminals who do that they get sort caught of eventually. smash and grab stuff do get caught eventually. Your luck's going to run out, you know, one time or another. So there was an interesting story uh, this week, Mr. David Cohen, and that was, and um, now obviously we talk about Apple quite a bit in their products, but this isn't a Mac-focused show, but let's be honest, that's, it kind of is. Um, well, it, it's something we like in particular, it, and this and this show is owned by mymac.com. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it is what it is, and I think everybody listening to this—not everybody, but most people—are using Apple products, whether it's a Mac, whether it's an iPhone, whether it's an iPad. Regardless, Apple came out with their um, first quarter 2011 report. Um, there's something. There's some really interesting stuff in here. That I think says a lot about the tech industry as a whole, David. Well, it does. I mean, everyone's been kind of working on an assumption, uh, you know, that you know, right across the planet now we're in the down economy. Uh, we're in time. Certainly here in the UK, we're in a. We've got a new government who who have a, a very severe austerity plan. Taxes are going up. Um, jobs are being lost. Uh, wages are being frozen, and. You would imagine, and, and certainly, obviously, in the U.S., you you know, you've had a, a fairly deep recession. Yes, that you're only just starting to come out of. You would imagine in those sort of times that sales of of luxury items like technological products, which are uh, are expensive, and um, and, uh, and you know, in, in most circumstances, not strictly necessary, would would kind of fall through the floor. And and you would imagine that Apple being very much the premium end of that market would would suffer more than most and yet these figures indicate that you know quite the opposite is happening that their sales continue to increase and they continue to outperform themselves year over year you know the figure that jumped out at me and this is actually a seven percent decline from last year but 19.74 million ipods now that is a lot of and, – and more than half of those were the iPod Touches, which start at, what, 229 U.S.? Yeah. That and, is... and really, yeah, those are not – I mean, they're, they're class in the iPod category. But, of course, those are iOS computers. Yes. They are not just pure iPods. 
That is an amazing figure to me, David. Um, who would have thought this many years after the iPod kind of, most people think, kind of hit the, hit its peak, and it's it's only downward from here. Still, almost 20 million. This isn't a quarter, David. This isn't like the first, you know, all of last year or something. This is a quarter. Yeah. Four and, and months. It's, it's a hefty quarter. Oh, um, it's Christmas. Yes. It. Yeah. But nevertheless, wow. Um, if you kind of track that out of the year, you're looking at, at s- prob- well, certainly well over 50 million of those devices per year, which, you know, back when I first kind of started to take notice of Apple and start looking at that, they weren't selling that in a whole year. No. They weren't selling what they sell- sold in this quarter, they weren't selling in a whole year. That's right. So, um, and, and, and again, as, as, as we just said, those were also the cheaper devices. Those were the, at, the, at that time, they had no iPod Touch. So it was just the Shuffle, the Nano, um, and what's now called the iPod Classic. So um, a really a huge, I mean, that, despite the fact that year on year they're showing some, some marginal decline in there, still a huge number of devices, of, of expensive devices. And it just goes to show everyone, like, I think, kind of assumed that... Um, Digital music players would plateau as uh, when you got to the point that everyone who wanted one had one, or that um, your phone is now your digital music player. Yeah, yes, uh, and and that is clearly not happening. And I, and I think it does. I think what all of these numbers actually start to show, and I think this is a, a figure that, that uh, or a fact that maybe many tech analysts, uh, these these guys who look at the, the tech business as a whole, really don't get. Is that what what Apple really is is able to do is actually sell devices to people who haven't bought from these uh, from this sort of technology niche before? Or, I think you'd find a, quite a lot of those um, those iPod sales, those iPod Touch sales, are being sold to people who've probably never had a device like that before. I agree, but I don't think it's um, adults like you and I. I think let, let's just round up the, just the iPod numbers. Let's just go to twenty million. Now, Apple is saying that over half, um, but the company pointed out that half of those, okay, so you wind up, wound, bleh, <laughs> it's one of those days, David. Yeah. We round up to 20 million and then say half of that is the iPod Touch. That's 10 million yeah. last quarter. Where is the competitor for the iPod Touch? Um. Well, there isn't really. There um, isn't. That's there that's isn't an equivalent device. You would think at this point, the iPod Touch, David, has been around for a long time now. Yeah. Um, a year less than the iPhone. The iPad hasn't even been here a year, and there's just a a rush to compete with Apple in the slate with the pad, whatever you want to call it, the tablet computer. But I don't see anybody doing anything with to compete with the iPod Touch. And it's a huge market. It's much bigger than the iPad so far. That's true. And uh, I think, you know, this this shows that um, the, the ecosystem behind the iPod... You think that's what it is? is you think it's is, iTunes? Is what, oh, well, I think it's iTunes and, and the App Store. I mean, there's an awful lot of people who are buying those devices because they want to be able to run apps, and yet they don't want to be tied into a phone contract. I think if you're in the market for a, a decent music player and you don't want to go as cheap as a Nano or a Shuffle, then um, you know the iPod Touch is, is the device of choice. 
Um, so you've got two different ecosystems kind of driving the sales of that hardware. And this is, um, this is what Apple's always been about. It's always been about having content and software that drives the hardware sales because the hardware sales is where they make the money. So, you know, that's a, I think this is a textbook case of that, that strategy in action. Wouldn't you think that somebody would just say, hey, you know what, we're going to make a device very similar. Our app store obviously isn't going to have as many, but we're going to release this device. We're going to make some content deals with Netflix. So anybody who has this gets a free Netflix account, but only with that device. It doesn't carry over to anything else. Uh, so you can, you can watch free Netflix on it. It comes with Plants and Zombies, Angry Birds, and Pac-Man. And we're going to sell it for one twenty nine. Plus, of course, it's a music player and a web browser and does those things. Don't you think something like that would sell? I might even be interested in something like that. Well, yeah, the, the, I think the problem is it, it requires too many people to get their act together to actually do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the obvious, the obvious way that could be done with, would be with an Android device. Um, but the problem is the Android market um, is so fragmented by so many different manufacturers so many different versions of Android, um, so many different places where you get the software for it. And, and one of the real weaknesses of Android that often is the fact that it's lousy for media playing. There is no built-in media playing, and there's no media infrastructure for Android at all. Right. If you, if you get an Android device, you kind of have to do all sorts of head-scratching to figure out how you want to get, get content onto it in terms of video and music and how you even want to play it on the device. It's got no built-in player. Um, and so all the advantages that Apple and their ecosystem have where they have a, a consistent experience across your computer, your, your uh, device, and, and where you get the content and everything from just isn't there for Android. And I think it does hold it back. And I suspect that's why nobody's thought, oh, we'll try and do an iPod Touch version of the, uh, you know, a, a, a non-phone version of an Android phone. The people who are doing that are, are, are trying to have a middle ground where they're also competing with the iPad. So um, that's making the devices bigger um, and not the sort of thing that you might want to tote in your pocket as a music player. So I, I think and that's Android's problem. Windows Mobile, with you know, I mean, Windows Mobile, the new version is effectively the Zoom um, with, uh, with added functionality on top. So, so they would be well-placed to do that, but the Zoom was never a big success either. And neither was um, the iPod at at the very beginning, but Apple kept it going. They kept, you know, they put the time in. And I think that's one of the problems that another manufacturer simply doesn't seem to have is patience. Let it find its audience. I mean, if you look at uh, other divisions with the Microsoft, say the Xbox, for instance, they they are capable of doing that. But with the Zoom, they're just very half They were always very half-hearted. They only launched it in the U.S., there was no international versions. There was no international um, Zoom, Zoom marketplace, so you couldn't get your content outside the U.S. And it and and it just kind of withered on the vine. And and they obviously didn't think it amazing worldwide. Um, so it, it's it is it is kind of like everyone's kind of given up this area of the market. Said Apple owns it. Let's let's leave them to it. Um, but I think what again what they're failing to realise is that what Apple are the way they're structuring their product line now, these things are all feeding off each other. It's it's very clear that the iPhone and the iPod Touch are in part driving iPad sales um, uh, because it's kind of it's the next upgrade up. Uh, and, um, of course, with the MacBook Airs, which um, have, you know, have taken a lot of technological 
glimpses from the from the iPad. Um, if you look at these laptop numbers, it, it, you know, there's 75 percent of the Mac of the Mac uh, products that Apple sold in the last quarter were laptops, and. <laughs> While they haven't broken it down, I'd wager that a very high proportion of those laptops were MacBook Airs. Interesting. You know, 16.24 million iPhones. And remember, that's, you know, worldwide. In the U.S., you can only get it on one carrier, but that changes next month. So I expect those figures to go up. Yeah. The one that really kind of surprises me, uh, not at all is 7.33 million iPads. Now, before the iPad even launched, you probably remember a lot of people were claiming, well, Apple will be lucky to sell a million of these in the first year. And wow, this thing has been just a massive hit. And quite honestly, David, I expect three years from now, the iPad will be the number one seller at Apple Computer. That's the one that will, everybody will be buying more of. It'll, it'll pass iPhone, iPod, and Mac. Well, it's already passed Mac. Um, yeah. That's the one that everyone's going to be buying. I mean, it's a four ninety nine starting point for an amazing device. Absolutely. And I think what a lot of people forget is that four ninety nine is cheaper than, than what the iPhone launched at. And that, that was... Yeah, tell me about contract. it. <laughs> you know, so um, I, 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 th- I think I'll, you're just trying to remind me I that I spent six ninety nine for I'm, my I'm, iPhone. I wasn't <laughs> going there. I wasn't going there. Too. Oh man, I was just going to leave that one out there. But you know, here's the um, thing, David. I don't regret that purchase. No, and, and I, I don't think anybody who is in that position should do really, um, because you were, you were buying into something that was brand new and was radical, um, and um, you know maybe Apple should have should have stuck to their guns and, and held the price up a bit higher. But, uh, you know, that, that's, that's by the by now. But I, I think, yeah, the iPad for the money is an amazing device. And I know people consider it to be exp- – some people consider it to be expensive, particularly people who are used to looking at netbooks and that sort of thing. But I think for the money, um, it really is an amazing Well, we're losing, David. Uh, you keep breaking – you keep breaking up on us, David, so we're going to take a quick break, let you reset there, and we'll be right back. Okay. It's a bird. It's a plane. Nah, it's just a tech fan podcast. Part of the MyMac.com family of podcasts. And we're back, and David has rebooted, and uh, you sound better, man. Well, let's hope it lasts. Um, <laughs> I'm giving sacrifices to Scott gods as we speak. So. Great, great. That's what we expect of you. So, <laughs> um, One of the things, you know, Guy asked me, what are we going to talk about on the main stage there at, uh, at the Macworld Expo? Which, by the way, uh, noon Pacific time on Friday – I don't have my calendar. What is next Friday? That would be the uh, 20-something. The 28th. So noon on the 28th, uh, Pacific time, we will actually be broadcasting live via uh, (laughs) Macworld Magazine. Macworld Live is going to be broadcasting our podcast, streaming it live online so you guys can actually follow along. Which I know you won't, David, because, you know, you, yeah, it'll just make you think, oh, I wish I was there. 
what I might actually do is is try and get it running up on the Apple TV and make my family watch it. <laughs> well, this is what I could be doing. This is what I could be doing if it wasn't for you. That's torture. Uh, um, <laughs> one of the things that I was seriously – first, I'm going to talk about my recording gear, and I'll go into that briefly here as well. Um, uh-huh. But I think the focus is going to be start using your computer. Start using your Mac. And let me explain what I mean by that, David. There seems to be this, and I think that the App Store is going to hurt (laughs) this as well. There seems to be this almost, there's something brand new and I have to go get it. I've got the old version, but, oh, there's a new one and I can upgrade for $49.95 instead of the full retail, $200. So they download the new one and... And it just continues over and over and over. And my issue with that is people aren't taking the time to actually learn and use the software you already have. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm going to be preaching, if you will, about. To start using the software you already have. Stop doing this race to the newest uh, the shiny penny syndrome, and get really good at one thing that you're really passionate about with your computer. Maybe it's Photoshop, maybe it's GarageBand, maybe whatever it is. Get really good at it and uh, create something. Do something with it. I mean, you have these incredible tools now, but people are just barely touching them, but they're constantly upgrading to the latest and greatest versions without doing anything with it. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I, I mean, I I I find myself musing on this with the some of the fuss there was when the uh, when the uh, Mac App Store launched. Yeah, and um, it's just you know, App Store, of, by the way. Okay, <laughs> I wrote right, an article I, on that. If you actually launch it, it just says App Store. It doesn't say Mac App Store. Okay, all right. I'm 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 assuming that that our listeners would like to know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> Say App Store for the Macintosh. App Store for the Macintosh. Okay, that works for me. Um, now everyone does know what I'm talking That's about. That's right. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, there was there was some there was some nastiness with some of the developers who'd uh, obviously some of the models that that some developers took were um, well, you know, you can you have your app that you bought from me uh, on the web or in a bundle and that sort of thing, and now I've moved to the App Store. Um, I'm focusing purely on the App Store. And that means that you will have to buy the app from the App Store, but don't worry, I've reduced the price. And uh, there was one developer in particular, I forget the name of the app, but uh, I'll cover Sutra, I think it was, mm-hmm. where the, the developer kind of, uh, she'd made a promise with, a pre- with the previous version that, that you would get free upgrades all the way to version 3, uh, and yet the version she put in the App Store was still only version 2.5. And uh, some of the comments on her website were very, very unpleasant about, uh, about you know, how, how, she, how people, she screwed people and she was, you know, she was a, a ruthless businesswoman. And, and well, I, I'm being polite here, but there was, not, there was a lot of pretty salty language on there uh, and some really, really unpleasant um, Invective put her way for a, an app that cost fifteen dollars when people bought it last time and reduced to five dollars in the app store, and uh, it was I, I, I. Coming back to your point about the upgrades, I thought to myself, really, you know, 
why are people so vehement about not getting access to a free upgrade for a 15 or a $5 app? Because the app they have now, presumably before they knew about this, so a week ago, two weeks ago, worked perfectly fine. So how can they feel so... Um, so affronted by the fact that they're not getting a free upgrade to a version. What, what is so bad about the application is really what I'm trying to get to, that they feel they deserve the free upgrade with a, with a new feature. Uh, and I think it does come down to, to quite what you're saying. People are so desperate to upgrade, uh, and so they can say they have the latest version with the latest features, and they're probably actually only pricking the surface of what the app can do in the first place. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen some amazing Photoshop work done recently as part of my day job. Yeah. And all of it was done on CS, not CS1, or not CS2, 3, 4, 5, CS running on a G4 just recently. Yeah. And I looked at it, I thought, wow, that's just, that's really great work. And he was telling me about, you know, the different methods he used to create this image. And it was really fascinating. And I mentioned to him, I said, um, have you looked at the new Photoshop? And he says, yeah, but it doesn't run my G4 tower. I said, yeah, you might want to think about upgrading soon. And he kind of looked at me and he said, why? Well, he had a good point. He's got an older machine that he's had to fix a few times. The power supply is burnt out twice. And uh, I think it's like a $125 fix, $150 fix, something like that, both times. And he's had the machine for 11 years, maybe 12, and he's completely happy with it. And it does exactly what he wants. The monitor is the same monitor he bought back in the day. It's a big 21-inch CRT, so this thing weighs more than a Buick. And for what he's doing, it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. And while he could do more maybe quicker with the new version – his life doesn't revolve around, boy, I can crank out three of these in a day instead of just one. Yeah. No, so, I mean, certainly Photoshop's a very good example with, say, the last few versions, they've added more um, you know, like processor-intensive functions that can do things that save you time, but they don't necessarily give you any better results. Um, oh, especially and, and over it, someone that's an expert with Photoshop. Well, and, and that, that's kind of what I'm coming down to, actually. If, if I were to, I'm not a particularly um, skilled Photoshop user by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, I, I know how to use the basic tools, but I certainly am not, not a, a creative professional at all. But if of, I decide, I'm right between the two. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, for me, if I decided tomorrow that I wanted to become a Photoshop guru, and I sat down with CS5, I bet there'd be a whole pile of skills that I would never develop because the tools in CS5 would do, do certain aspects of the work for me. Yep. So I'd never have to learn how to, to do the, you know, the, the, the gnarly uh, skilled techniques that a real Photoshop guru has been, been doing it for many years uh, knows how to do. And there will be times when the automated tools fail you and you need to fall back on those skills. And if you don't have them, then you're not going to be as good as the guy next to you. Right. And sometimes the automatic skills will do 80%, but there's still that 20% that you just, you need to learn how to use it. And I think if people spent more time using and and really increasing their skill level, I think they would find a lot more enjoyment with this modern world we live in when it comes to technology. Now, by the same token, 
you and I love our iOS devices, from our iPhones to our iPads. And eventually, for me, the Apple TV, I want to get a new Apple TV. I mean, it's $99. I can sell my 140-gig Apple TV for more than that, and yeah. it would pay for the new one. Then I have Netflix. Um, we have to almost stay up to date with our computers and software because we want to continuously update our iOS devices. Mm. You know, you have to have the latest version of iTunes. That doesn't yeah. run on older machines. I mean, so we're, you're almost stuck in this loop, that this, this ecosystem where you have to continuously upgrade. But I it's, think there's something yeah. to be said for while most of the listeners out there are in the same boat as us, there's something to be said for really start maybe focusing on what it is. Why did you buy that computer in the first place? What are you really passionate about? Is it graphic design? Is it making some music? Uh, 3D modeling, whatever it happens to be, start focusing in on that. Um, I think you'll be a happier person, and I think you'll get more joy out of your equipment than the guy who's constantly downloading the latest and greatest apps and never doing anything with it. Now, yeah, I've I've got to be honest with you. I've just... Um, my work machine, I like to have a desktop machine. Most of the, most of the guys in my companies use laptops, uh, and I have a company laptop as well, but I like to have a permanent work machine on my desk. Um, and up until well, literally the last week, I had a dual processor G5 yeah. that, uh, that I was using that I picked up really cheap off eBay um, and, um, and was perfectly well doing the job for the, all the stuff I do here at work. Um, and that was a machine that was like five, six years old. Now I've sold it now, and the reason I've sold it is because um, I'm, I'm getting a, a I've got an opportunity to get a, a MacBook Air, the new MacBook Air. Yep. So I decided that to to fund the MacBook Air, I would sell this old machine to part fund the new one, and I'm now using a, an Intel laptop, Mac laptop, um, in in the office here instead of uh, the G5. So I, I did, for the this is the first time um, since the Intel transition that, that all my Macs are now Intel. Right. Um, you ignore my if you ignore my classic stuff. Yeah. So um, up until recently, I had G4s and G5s knocking around, uh, but now this is the first time where all the Macs I own are Intel Macs, um, and I, and I think we are coming to the point where um, having a PowerPC Mac will limit you in some re- some regards if you do want to. Um, you know, keep running the latest software, and it's not just you know the big stuff like iLife and oh no, it's a little stuff, stuff like too. that. It's a little you know, there's an awful lot of the kind of utilities and the the uh, tools and the bits and pieces that as a Mac user you like to run that are now becoming more Intel only, um, and and are holding people back. And it can, and for some some developers, it's going to be difficult to buy the older versions going forward. Oh yeah, so, in so, fact, so, most developers I've talked to. They've all transitioned away from yeah. PowerPC. Yeah. I mean, it's that's, it, that's it just it had to happen. Yeah. Um, and but, most of them, honestly, David, most of them now are at least requiring Tiger Mac OS ten point four. Yeah, yeah. So, but but that that's not to say that these these old machines aren't useful. Um, and you know, I mean, I sold that that dual processor G five on eBay to a guy who was really. Who, I, I got an email from him and say he's really really pleased with it. Good. Um, and uh, first thing he's doing is putting an old version of Photoshop onto it. That's what he told me. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's certainly he's going to get 
I would imagine he's going to get quite a lot of life out of that machine. And provided you don't, you know, you don't want to be run the latest games, the latest bits and pieces, or you're going to do a lot of heavy processing, those machines are very, very viable. Even a G4, hell, even if you just doing basic word processing and, and internet browsing, probably even a G3 iMac would be, be perfect. Oh, sure. Lovely. Absolutely. I mean, there's some stuff you're not going to be able to do. You're not going to be able to watch some of the high-def video that's out there on one of those old machines. No. But running OS 9, word processing, web browsing, sure, absolutely. Or, or even OS 10. I mean, you, if you're Panther, sure. will still, Panther will still do an awful lot and run perfectly fine on G3. It's just one of those things. You know what? The reason I came to this thought was... I was looking through a box. I was looking for my iAtari Mac power plug. Um, Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know what the iAtari Mac is, I'll explain it some other day. Um, And I came across a couple boxes of shrink wrap software. (laughs) And this wasn't a freebie that I got at Macworld. This wasn't a review copy that a company sent to me. This was something that I actually purchased myself. And instead of throwing it in a box to to throw out with the rubbish, I put it back in this tote. And then I thought, now wait a minute, this is macOS 9 software here. I don't even have a machine in this house that can, well, I have functioning machines that could run it, but they're not hooked Mm -hmm. up or anything. Yeah. Um, Why am I keeping this? It's always this rush to the latest and greatest which may not always be, honestly, the greatest. It's just the latest. Yeah. So, and this goes for podcasting as well. Um, I have had a couple people reach out to me after we talked about podcasting and producing new podcasts at my Mac, David, and both people were very interested in getting into podcasting. And when I asked them what their idea was, they said they wanted to do, like, a Mac News show. Right. And really, we need another Mac news show. Uh, and I don't mean just at my Mac. I mean in general. Yeah. It's such an open field. Think of something specific that you really want to talk about. You know? Yeah. And it's it kind of goes with the same, find one program on your machine that you're really passionate about and become an expert at it. You're going to be a lot more happier. If you want to get into podcasting, that's great. If you want to do a Mac news show, great. But maybe find something that you're a little bit more passionate about than just this the general computer platform. There's enough shows that do that. Yeah. Maybe get a little bit more of a laser focused. I think you'll find your audience quicker and easier. And, uh, and if you find a niche that nobody else is doing, you're going to own it. You're going to be the guy who talks about whatever it is. So and, and and if you're starting out, it doesn't matter if if your laser focus, if your niche is so small that you're only going to get a listenership, because you know no nobody becomes Howard Stern overnight. No, <laughs> nobody becomes Howard Stern over twenty years probably. Um, but uh, you know, if you're cutting your teeth in, in whatever you're doing, really, you know, start small, take bite-sized pieces at it, and uh, build it up from there. And if you if you build an audience of a of, you know, 20, 50, 100 people who like what you do um, and then you want to go bigger, then you can look to expand it after that. But start with the, you know, <laughs> getting email from 100 people is more than enough. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> trust, <laughs> trust me. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So we're going to take our last break and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to explain uh, to 
the Tech Fan listeners how I'm going to be recording both Tech Fan and My Mac podcast because we're going to um, switch it up at the Macworld Expo. Uh, how we're going to record it. And I think it's kind of cool. I think you'll like this, David. So we'll be right back. It's Guy. And Gaz, the G-Men from the MyMac.com podcast. Our podcast has been going strong since 2004, talking about all things Mac and Apple. With great guests and listener invites, so there's never a dull moment. The MyMac.com podcast, irrelevantly relevant. Find us on iTunes, just do a search in the podcast section with MyMac. Subscribe and prepare to be entertained. And we are back with David Cohen. So last year, as you know, David, I was covering the Macworld Expo for Otherworld Computing for uh, OWC Radio. And I recorded it on a little handheld digital recorder that, quite honestly, sounded pretty good. Um, yeah. Now, that was their <laughs> device. It wasn't mine. The year before, I used exactly the same one on loan from OWC, which was great. I wasn't doing OWC radio, uh, but they, they allowed me to use this at the Macworld Expo to record segments for the podcast. And while that worked, it really wasn't what I wanted. I, you're holding this little box, basically, in front of people while you talk. It just didn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it didn't feel like we were an official, I don't know, broadcast, if you will. So I wanted yeah. something a little bit more official. I really wanted to be able to hold a microphone. So, I, you know, and more directional as well. So it wouldn't pick up quite so much ambient noise. You could really kind of hear what the people are saying because there was some interviews that I've done over the years that you, it's just a little bit too much ambient noise. Yeah. And so the microphone that I wanted to use uh, is a Sennheiser. It's the E838. But here's the problem. It's, an X, it's a dynamic mic, but it's an XLR. Yeah. So that's the big... People who don't know what that is, rather than the the kind of jack plug you get on top of an MP3 player, this is like the big professional three-way pin kind of bulky jack that that the kind of professional mics use. Absolutely. Yeah. And the sound quality on this mic is just fantastic. And for what I wanted to do to record interviews with, it's absolutely perfect. It's exactly what I've been looking for. But what do I do with this? I didn't really want to buy yet another box or something that I had to plug this into. So I've been researching for a little while, and I think, oh, well, I don't think, I know. uh, I know I found the solution. And even this solution is a little bit bulky as far as on the back end what I have to do with the file. But let me explain how I'm going to record this. And I also got a little mic flag. You know what that is? Is that the... The little uh, kind of square thing that goes over the mic that has MBC on it. Exactly. Mine's a triangle yeah. and it has yeah. my Mac on it. Right. You know, cool. We'll send yeah, you pictures. I was, I, when, you, when you were saying about the mic, I thought that's what you need. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and I got one. Uh, and I got that from Impact Marketing, by the way. I'll give them a free plug. Uh, I mean, I paid for it. It cost me like $80, but it's it's really nice. I mean, it's yeah. it's 
high quality. So I'm really looking for Sam Levin's got one that is a square and it has my Mac on every other side and then the other ones say at minute. So so Sam Levin's going to be doing uh, the same setup because we've been working together to try to find a solution to basically use our iPhones to record our audio but use a good microphone. What, so you found a way to plug an XLR mic into an iPhone? Yes, I did. Tell me more. Now, there's a company called KV Connections. They make a lot of cables and stuff. And what they made was, and they call it the iPhone XLR microphone and one-eighth inch headphone adapter. Now, on one end, it plugs into the headphone jack on your iPhone, just like any other thing would, right? Yeah. On the other end, it splits into a Y. One of the Ys is another headphone jack, so you can plug your headphones into that. But the other side is an XLR male. You understand what I mean? Uh, yeah. It so has... That, uh, go ahead. So the microphone goes into that. Yep. And that's, but that's going to not to the dock connector. That's going into the headphone jack. Going into the headphone jack. now, Which has got the three rings on it for a microphone input. Exactly. Because that's what you use when you use your iPhone with a, with a headset. That's right. Now, this, now this does have um, DC blocking, and it also has uh, impedance matching, which you need. Otherwise, it would either be way too soft or way too loud. Right. This little device, it's, it's, there's a – I wish I had saw this earlier. There's one with a longer cord. But this little device is $23.50. Wow. So with that – the $150 or so for this microphone and my existing iPhone, I don't now need to buy a four or $500 digital recorder. Now, I've been testing this, and I have to say I'm, I'm blown away with the quality. It's just unbelievable. Well, I, I mean, that, that was going to be my next question because my, my only concern – with that would be, you know, it, because you're going through the headphone jack of the iPhone. Yep. Is is that like the weak point in the chain? No, not at all. No. Now, here's what I have to do, though. And, and this was a little disheartening, to be honest. I have to – it only records the audio if you're recording the video on the camera side of the iPhone. So, in other words, if you launch a voice memo, it won't record from the microphone. Or any of the other, re, you know, audio recording apps that you can get for the iPhone – Right. None of them will record the audio that way. The only way you can record audio is if you actually shoot video. So what I have to do is I'll shoot my video. I don't care about the actual video video part of it. Yeah. I can leave the iPhone in my pocket for all I care. Um, I'm going to strip the video out of it, or I should say I'm going to strip the audio out of it in QuickTime Pro, import that into GarageBand so I have just my straight audio file. Right. And I have to say, now I can't play this for the, the audience out there listening right now, David, but I'm going to play you uh, offline here uh, an audio that I recorded using the setup that I just described. And then you can tell everyone out there listening what you think. So hold on. Okay. While David listens to something completely different, you guys get to hear, well, this. This is testing the connector and the microphone and the, yep, iPhone 4. Check it out. Pretty cool, huh? I like it. And you know what? An adapter and a microphone, a lot cheaper than some digital recorder. Trust me on that. It's not even close. Unless she's 
Okay, David, you got to listen to uh, it's a, it's just a little bit of audio that I actually sent to Sam Levin when I was testing out this microphones to kind of talk him into getting the same microphone because I'm really impressed with it. But uh, now you're listening through it through speakers over a microphone and then through Skype yeah. and you know. But but e- even with that, I could still tell that that you know it had this kind of this richness to it. Uh, and and that's what you get with a quality microphone is you get a you get all the subharmonics coming through the recording uh, rather than just kind of uh, you know a cheap microphone will will kind of strip out a lot of the uh, you know the the oscillations that come out the sound and the it, texture and it's, and yeah so it, so it sound a bit reedy a bit bit thin whereas with that it sound, even though it, I you know as it wasn't optimal it wasn't coming straight to my ears it was coming over your speakers and then down through your mic to me. Um, Three and a half thousand miles away through Skype as well. It, it, you could still tell it had kind of had that uh, that velvety quality to it. That's what I was looking for too. When now I've got another mic that will work, and I'm going to bring it with me. It's a Shure 58. Yeah, and I'm going to bring that with me as a backup. But the quality difference is just profound. I mean, it really does sound a lot better with the Sennheiser mic. But I got to be honest, I'm so excited to find this cable. Now, it's real short, so I'm going to have to use an extension, uh, an XML extension from the microphone to the adapter and then the adapter yeah. to the iPhone um, because I don't want to be holding my iPhone in the same hand as the mic, and it would be kind of cumbersome. So I'm basically going to just have a long cord coming from the microphone. Yeah. Now, now you were saying that the, uh, obviously because you're going through the headphone jack, you can't use a standard recording app on the iPhone, which – on the one hand, yeah, it's kind of a bit of a bummer in terms of the post-processing you have to do to strip that audio out of the video. But to me, the, there is f- for the kind of work you're going to be doing, kind of in the field recording, there is one advantage of that, which means you can point the camera at the guy while he's speaking. Yep. And, and that means you have some context to the recording when you actually come to um, to actually edit it together. I'll give you one better, David. Guy Searle always wants to do video at the Macworld Expo. Yeah. He just gets this excitement. Hey, we're going to do a lot of it. And it's such a – and you've, you've worked the floor with him at Macworld Expo. It's such a pain to set up the tripod, set up the camera, set up the microphone. Yeah. Ugh, what a pain. And, and the, the real problem with it actually is not the recording on the floor. It's editing. It's, it's it's yeah. It's the fact you're conscious. I've got to get as many as possible, and then I'm going to have to go and sit back and do two hours of editing to right. kind of pull it. Together and not, and get it not just two hours. You still have to import the data from the camera to the yeah. computer, and that's going to be slow. Um, with the iPhone four, it already takes damn good video. Now with this edition with a microphone, I'm going to get damn good audio. So yeah. literally, if I want to or a guy wants to do an interview, whoever's on camera is simply holding the mic. The other guy is holding an iPhone yeah. and recording it. And guess what? We're going to have great audio built into the great video because it's, it's recording it at the same time on the same device. Now, I, I know that um, some other podcasters over at the Twit Network have been doing this with iPhones. And they've got a... Um, yeah, that kind little thing. that the iPhone goes into that yeah. gives it real sort of solidity, and you're not going to do anything like that. You're just going to no. do a handheld. It's just going to be handheld. It'll yeah. be a little shaky. That's fine. Uh, I, I kind of actually like that from live events, so it doesn't feel so static and so yeah. set dressing, if you will. Right. Um, but yeah, I, we're, a lot of it's going to be obviously audio recordings for the podcast. 
Um, and, but we're also going to do video using the, exactly the same setup. And I'm really looking forward to putting this thing through its paces. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be surprising to a lot of people the quality we're going to get. And here's the nice thing. Because it's on the iPhone, plug it in my computer, iPhoto launches, right? Yeah. It sucks the video down. I can bring that video directly into Final Cut Pro if I want to or Final Cut Express. Add our little movie thing at the beginning of it, our little MyMac.com Presents. Export it, upload it to YouTube, and I'm done. But I don't even yeah. have to do that. I could do all of that directly from the iPhone if I don't care about putting all the MyMac.com stuff at it on it. I don't yeah. know. I might just do raw video. I may not do any you know, post-production on it at all. Although, quite honestly, the lighting is terrible in those places, and it's always good to kind of go in and color correct a little bit. But yeah. that's the basic setup of how we're going to cover the Macworld Expo this year, David, including photos that we do. I'm just going to take photos on my iPhone. I'm not going to take my DSLR or another standalone camera. Basically, the iPhone, and this just kind of dawned on me too, all my coverage of Macworld Expo in the coming week is all going to be captured on my iPhone. From audio to video to pictures, it's all going to be done on my iPhone. I think that's kind of impressive. It, it does show you how far we've come. Um, I mean, you you was kind of saying, well, you know, this, this kind of setup is a little bit bulkier than perhaps you might like. But compared to how this stuff used to be done, I mean, it used to be done with, <laughs> with a three-man crew. Yes. You know, with a guy with a, a reel-to-reel tape recorder that he was had slung over his shoulder in a bag um, and a boom mic, um, you know, and you kind of, you're well past, past all of that. And... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the key the key advantage I think for this is is as you say, it's the fact that post processing wise, you don't have to do a lot of conversion. No, nope. it's just there. Um, it's just there, and it's pretty reliable uh, as well. Uh, I, I did I did some audio on the iPhone last year at um, uh, when I was there at MacWorld Expo. I remember. I was, and I was pretty happy with the results. And that was just a built-in microphone. That was yeah. It was just literally kind of waving it under somebody's now, nose. Now, now that being said, though, I did go in and put some compression and cleaned up the audio on GarageBand yeah. before it went live. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was perfectly acceptable. I never had any complaints. Yeah. So. Yeah. But we're going to have much better audio and video this year. That's for sure. So, David, we're going to wrap up this episode again. You're going to be on the MyMac.com podcast next week. Uh, pre-Macworld Expo with uh, Gazmaz. Guy Searle and I will be covering the Macworld Expo all next week as part of both the MyMac podcast and TechFan. We'll probably, uh, on every day, we'll start the show on MyMac, and we'll have our interviews, and we'll talk. And then you'll have to continue to listen to the next episode released the same day of TechFan to get kind of part two of that day's coverage. So if you start listening to Tech Fan, uh, this is episode 15. So episode 16, we'll probably say, by the way, the beginning of this podcast is actually my Mac podcast number, whatever it happens to be. So there's going to definitely be um, a, a need to listen to both shows so you can get the full experience. Yeah. And it's good for cross-promotion. And, of course, uh, I will, I'll probably do a couple of at-minute podcasts, but you won't hear those until at least a week or two after the event itself. Um, because uh, Sam Levin is just on the ball with that podcast. And I hope you guys are checking out that podcast. Uh, it's coming out on a much more regular basis. Uh, a new regular contributor is Michael Manna. 
Uh, he's had like three episodes this week alone. Excuse me, this week alone. And Scott Wilsey, which uh, we, you know, David, I, I really have to run to um, the bathroom. Honestly. Right. Okay. <laughs> so while I go do that, why don't you actually read feedback we got from uh, Scott who and explain who Scott is, the Pocket Size Podcast and all that, and I'll be right back, and you'll probably still be reading by then. Okay. I'm sure. off. So um, we had this feedback from Scott, and Scott is, uh, yeah, Scott Scott does the, uh, the Pocket Size Podcast for us on MyMac.com. Uh, and uh, he was responding to the discussion Tim and I had a couple of podcasts ago about data centers. Um, This was after my solo rant just before Christmas uh, about the Apple data center. So I'm going to read this out. Paul Scott said, listening to Tech Fan number 12 right now, I just want to reply to David's self-described rant about the Apple data center. David, I totally agree that just building a data center in and of itself means nothing. Also totally agree that rarely are data centers built for one specific purpose, although there are some partial exceptions, such as some web hosting data centers, online gaming servers, etc., where a data center is used primarily for one thing. Maybe not completely, but primarily. I remember in the old days when my employer thought they wanted to get into hosting services, we had at least one data center built that was specifically for that purpose and nothing else. I am with you that any postulation on what Apple is doing with this or any other data center is pure speculation. It obviously does give them greater capacity for doing things they might not be doing now, as well as redundancy and the ability to scale existing services of theirs. I've referenced the data center myself in the context of things I'd like to see on the mobile me service, but in this case I've always suggested possible new or altered services as wishes rather than theories about what they're actually doing. So in a way, I'm guilty of this, but not really, because I don't pretend to know what Apple is doing there. For all I know, they're backing up the internet every day. (laughs) Who really knows except Apple, and they aren't talking. Cheers, Scott. So what what, – go ahead. I was going to say, Scott, I I mean, I completely agree with you. Um, Obviously, this was kind of very much the the tone of my rant. Um, My my particular objection was was, – wasn't so much people who who have kind of necessarily name check the data center um but it, it's it's uh, particularly there's some uh, and this is um people who really should know better the, you know there are there are certain numbers of journalists on on the internet who who will uh, concoct a theory about what apple might be doing and will then name check this uh, as a supporting fact um that implies they know or from their experience they would know exactly how this supports their particular theory about a new apple service or product and those are the people i was really aiming it at because those are people who basically are talking out the back of their necks yes yep. and wouldn't wouldn't know a day center function um you know if they got hit over the head with it frankly hey david let me ask you a question what other podcasts where the host will actually say i have to use a bathroom go ahead and keep going i'll be back in a minute well, they, I, I seem to remember there was, I don't know whether it's still going, there was a podcast where the guy actually used a podcast from the bathroom. Yeah, I remember that. That was terrible. <laughs> that, there is certain standards that I'll maintain, but yeah. yeah. Um, no, nah, I figured what the hell, right? It's Well, what, what the hell? you know, it's, we all do it. <laughs> that's a fact. That is definitely a fact. So, um, yeah, that's tech fan number uh, 15. Here in January 2011, David Cohen will be back next week. I'll be back next week from Macworld Expo, and 
if we could finagle it, we'd like to get uh, Gaz and David to join us on one of the shows during the Macworld Expo. But, you know, there's an eight-hour time difference, and who knows how that's going to work. And yeah, I, I don't even – honestly, David, I don't even know what recording stuff I'm going to bring. I don't know if I'm going to yeah. bring my whole M-Audio mobile pre-USB and my studio mics. And just – it that might not be, you know – it costs money now to actually fly. So they get you yeah, for the I, extra bags. I'm presuming that 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 um, uh, that KV cable though could go into your Mac just as easily as it could go into um, your iPhone. It could absolutely. Yeah. I would just have to bring one extra cord. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is we wouldn't be able to hear you as we're recording. Uh, the, the way around that is a Griffin Eye mic, or like just another Y splitter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So. We'll figure it out. Yeah, but uh, if anybody listening has. Uh, you know, as, as done over recording in a different way, um, drop us an email, let us know what you think. Absolutely. Not just for this Macro Lexo, because uh, quite honestly, I would like to be able to do more podcasting remotely, not just sitting here in the studio, as long as the audio quality doesn't suffer too much. Now, I did some of that with OWC Radio going out to a car and um, walking by the highway. I know you heard those episodes back in the day, David. Back in the day, yeah, it was and, a year and, ago. And, and, I, and I thought they sounded perfectly accessible. Yeah. Um, I did too. You know, the, the thing is, is that is that compared to how these things used to be done, as soon as you've gone all digital anyway, your uh, your level of background noise really goes down. Yep. And if you can do a little bit of, if you know what you're doing with the post processing, then you can really clean those things up pretty nicely anyway. I didn't bother too much with the uh, ones I did for OWC Radio because I wanted that background noise. I wanted a little yeah. bit of ambience um, because I thought it lent something to you know what I was trying to accomplish and. I think it succeeded. But yeah. with that, we need to wrap up the show, David. I know you've got stuff you've got to do today. I need to get back to uh, to the grind. And uh, really want to appreciate. Uh, really want to say I appreciate everyone listening out there. There's a lot of different podcasts you guys listen, can listen to, and uh, you chose us, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. We'll see you in a week. Bye. <laughs>